One morning, 15 years ago, I was delivered from fear. I was in a semi-dream, semi-awake state. I could feel myself sleeping there on the bed. and I knew that I was in my bedroom. The Holy Spirit said to me in that moment, you must cast out the spirit of fear. As soon as I heard these words, the spirit of fear showed itself to me. My heart was gripped with fear like I've never known fear before. Now, as a child, I had heard way too many ghost stories, especially those scary Hmong ghost stories. And I had inappropriately been exposed to a lot of horror movies. As a result, I developed a fear of the dark and I had a fear of demons. I just assumed that I would live the rest of my life in fear. I had imagined evil spirits lurking in the dark, um, but they were nothing compared to what the spirit of fear showed to me about what he looked like. The Holy Spirit instructed me in that moment saying, cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ, command it to leave you. So I did that. Fear resisted leaving, but it did let me go. And literally it let go one finger at a time. It was angry and it was shrieking as it went. I woke up with complete peace in my heart, mind and body. I knew what had happened was real and I was no longer afraid of the dark or of demons. In the moment of deliverance, I just obeyed. I didn't stop to work out my theology about demons. I didn't question whether I had the authority. Uh, I didn't wonder if there were real demons or not. I just obeyed. Rod Reamer writes in Soul Care, Seven Transformational Principles for a Healthy Soul. He says, your next level with God lies beyond the boundaries of your current experience. The only way to get there is to risk more than you are comfortable with. In Reamer's book, The Process of Freeing People from the Influence of Evil Spirits and of Casting Out Demons Who Have Attached Themselves to People is known as Deliverance, and it is the seventh principle in soul care. Speaking of horror movies, many people in America equate deliverance, when they hear that word, with scenes from movies like The Exorcist, where a priest or a pastor has a dramatic verbal, physical, and spiritual battle with a strong and scary demon. There is drama and usually a lot of screaming on both sides until one of them prevails. Not surprisingly, there is much debate in Western Christendom about the reality of demons, demonization, and deliverance. Briefly, here are some objections that Christians have. One big objection to deliverance comes from the, the disbelief in the existence of actual spiritual beings called demons or evil spirits. Undergirded by the scientific worldview, some people argue that much of what has been portrayed as demonization or demon possession in the Bible and even today can be explained away by psychology and mental health 
and thus can be taken care of with proper therapeutic interventions and medication. People who hold to this view rationalize that demonization, as described in the Bible, was just a social phenomenon that existed for primitive cultures who did not have our scientific explanations and treatments. Another objection to deliverance comes from Christians who believe that while deliverance from evil spirits really did take place in the Bible, in this particular period in history, in our history, deliverance from evil spirits is no longer needed because the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has ushered in a period of us living in grace. And once the original apostles died, some of the select things that they did, such as deliverance, also ended with them. But by far, the most prominent objection to deliverance is the argument that indwelling of the Holy Spirit in believers, as promised by Jesus, means that evil spirits cannot attach to or become part of believers. Therefore, deliverance of Christians is neither possible nor needed since Christians cannot have demons in them. Thus, the idea of even having a deliverance ministry as part of a church is unbiblical and wrong. These are some of the, the main views on deliverance. But adding to the debate is the lack of consensus on what it is that happens when a person is demonized or demon-possessed. Bible translators have usually chosen the word demon-possessed or demon-possession to describe the people who are experiencing manifesta manifestations of demonic presence. Demon-possession, that word, suggests ownership and the idea of being fully overtaken by demons or a demon. This term of ownership is not correct since a believer in Jesus Christ belongs to God. He has been paid with a heavy price, and so ownership is settled. A Christian belongs to God. Demonization, uh, or being demonized, is a better translation as it captures the state of a person being influenced by a demon or demons. To varying degrees, an evil spirit or demon can gain access to areas of a person's life, and that spirit can then have control of that area. So it is appropriate to say that the evil spirit indwells the person in as much as the, pers the person has given over areas of their lives over to the demon. Deliverance is part of a much bigger picture of the biblical worldview on spirits, Satan, and demons. To understand demonization, we need to understand what and who are these demons. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly that God created these spiritual beings that were originally called angels. These are non-corporeal entities who are... Um, created with different roles and hierarchy, and they were created to serve God and to do His will. Lucifer was one of these angels who had been created to worship and serve God. 
The Bible tells us that he was both beautiful in form and appearance, and he had elevated status among the angels. Because of that, Lucifer exalted himself and wanted to, to be in charge. He wanted to be over God. He wanted to be the one to be worshiped and served. So he rebelled against God, and he convinced a third of the angels to follow him. Revelation 12 tells a little part of the story. Verse seven on says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Continue in verse 12. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Lucifer, Satan, is called various other names in the Bible. The adversary, the accuser, the devil, the tempter, the serpent, the evil one the enemy, and Beelzebul are just some of the names that are used. Satan and his demons, these fallen angels, are hell-bent on stealing, killing, and destroying anything that is godly, anything that is good, anything that brings glory to God. And while these demons cannot steal your faith and your eternal salvation, once you believe in Jesus Christ, they will do everything they can, whatever is within their power, to stop you from truly worshiping God and obeying Him, to keep you from living an abundant and full life in Jesus, and to stop you from being effective in the kingdom of God. Their number one weapon are lies. Though their tactics have changed through the centuries, demons have never ever stopped in their efforts to gain control over every human being, and they have not stopped in their efforts to stop the kingdom of God from advancing. They do not want the light of the kingdom of God to impact the world that is under Satan's rule. Yes, you heard me right. Our world is currently under the rule of Satan. 1 John 5 tells us in verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the world is under the control of the evil one. Now, how does this happen? Well, Satan gained control of the world when Adam and Eve, God's representatives here on earth, chose to believe Satan's lies and rebelled against God. In essence, they chose to follow Satan instead of following God. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh to die for human beings so that we can be set free from the tyranny of Satan's reign in this lifetime and so that we can live with God in eternity as God always intended for us. Rod Reamer writes, the central message of Jesus is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the reversal of everything that went wrong when sin entered the world. It is the restoration of everything back to the way God intended it to be. So when Jesus came, he saved the lost, healed the sick, cast out demons, helped the poor, overcame injustice, and set the captive free. We see the fullness of Jesus' ministry while he was here in the flesh. The gospel writers describe Jesus' ministry this way. In Matthew 4, Matthew writes, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread over all Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Mark 1 describes Jesus' ministry this way. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Luke 4 describes it this way. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. And as we read and heard earlier in our scripture reading from Luke 9, of Jesus sending out the 12 disciples, and in Luke 10, of him sending out the 72 disciples, Jesus clearly commanded and entrusted to them a ministry of teaching about the kingdom of God, healing the sick, and driving out demons. We are told that he gave the disciples the authority to cast out demons. Even the apostle Paul cast out a demon from a young fortune teller. So what is it that happens in deliverance? Jesus gives a metaphor that illustrates the spiritual reality. Look with me in Luke 11, verse 14 through 28. And keep in mind that this is after the disciples have already gone out, uh, been sent out by uh, the 12 and then the 70, uh, two by two, to go into the cities. So Jesus is explaining what happens. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided 
against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now there's a lot to unpack in that passage. Um, but I want you to note that Jesus, the Son of God, says that there are real demons who gain control of people. And we see Jesus casting out a demon from this man who had been mute. And then Jesus is the one who uses the metaphor of a house to explain what happens in demonization. Deliverance is the strong man, Jesus Christ, attacking and overpowering the demons who have taken up residence in a person. Jesus drives them out of that person. And he drives them out by his power and his authority. The people who were accusing him, particularly the religious leaders, were accusing Jesus of driving out demons by the power of Satan himself. Now, this cleaning house analogy, we've used it before where uh, we've said that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to clean each room of your house and some of the rooms you've never even let him into and he wants to have full access, so you have to give him access to those rooms. Has it ever occurred to you that in those rooms that you keep locked up, that you don't allow the Holy Spirit in, that those rooms are controlled by demons? And Jesus comes in and he wants to drive out those demons so that the Holy Spirit can come in and have full authority and full reign in that room or those rooms that you have kept away from him. Notice also that in this metaphor that Jesus uses, a person can be set free. The house is clean. But if this person doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to come and reside, 
other evil spirits will come back and take residence in that person who has already been cleaned. A couple years ago, I was really struggling and in a very dark place. I was discontent with my entire life and my marriage was an easy target for my criticism and despair. In one of my darker moments in a conversation with Greg, I distinctly remember a crucial moment of decision. Would I utter the words, I'm done with us, and open the door to a host of destruction? In that moment, in that room, I could feel the coldness envelop me. I sensed keenly the presence of darkness and evil. I, I could sense that an entity wanted to speak these words using my mouth. But rather than speak into existence the words of death, I cried out to Greg and asked him to pray for me in that moment. And he did, breaking that spell of darkness. Now, remember, demons cannot possess believers, believers of Jesus Christ but they can gain footholds in our lives. In Ephesians 4, verse 26, Paul is talking to the Ephesians and he's telling them that they don't live the life they used to live anymore. In fact, they've been made new in Jesus Christ and they need to walk in that newness. And then he says in verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Paul says that we can give Satan a foothold. Now this word foothold is the Greek word topos, which means physical ground or space. It's a geographical term, but it's also a military term um, which has to do with grounds um, that the enemy can take over, that they gain, they get control over. In my own life, discontentment has been an encampment of the enemy. Nothing, whether my faith, my career, my body, my education, uh, my marriage, my ministry, nothing is ever good enough. The spirit of discontentment takes hold and lies to me that I need to do more, be better, uh, and that no matter what I do, it will never be good enough. So I'm left always wanting more because I believe that lie. And believing that lie and believing it and then living it out allows Satan or the demon of discontentment to have a foothold and to control that area of my thinking and even my behaviors. And when that spirit is there, a whole host of other evils come in with that. And one of those is being really critical of my marriage and of Greg. I am happy to say that I have been delivered from the spirit called discontentment. But I constantly have to guard my heart lest I start to give background to that enemy 
The beginning of getting freed from demonization is a full confession of that sin. Confessing our sins breaks ground. Confessing our sins gives and surrenders that ground back to Jesus. Now, deliverance comes only through the blood and power of Jesus Christ. And it is in his powerful name that we can command evil spirits to leave us. Jesus has given us the authority to call upon his name to drive out demons. Nowadays, when I sense the presence of discontentment trying to gain entry into my soul by whispering lies, by making me compare, by making me wish for something else, I have to stand up and calling upon the name of Jesus, I have to banish the spirit. So I will say, in Jesus' name, I command you, spirit of discontentment, to leave me right now. And then I confess to God whatever was drawing my mind or my heart to believe the lies of discontentment. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm gonna guess that there are areas in your life where you know you have not surrendered those areas to the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of those areas actually have demonic presence. Are you struggling with addiction that you just cannot get over and conquer by yourself? Do you have sin habits that you return to over and over, even after you've confessed them to God? Do you have thought patterns that are defeating and negative and pull you down? Do you live with anxiety and constantly worrying about everything that goes on around you? These can be signs that there may be some forms of demonization where an evil spirit has gained influence over you and maybe even control over that area. I don't want you to be afraid because as you have seen in the scriptures that we have read, that Jesus is victorious over these demons. We do not fight power against power, but we bring the truth of Jesus into the situation and we fight the lies with the truth. And Jesus Christ himself is the one who sets us free. I wanna encourage you that if anything I've said today has either sparked an interest or has made you realize some areas of your life that are under demonic influence, don't be afraid. There's so much more to learn. I encourage you to read the book, Soul Care. And then I also have great news. In June of 2023, in fact, put this on your calendars, June 8 through 10, 2023, we, River Life, are bringing Rob Reamer to our church to do a soul care conference. And I encourage all of you to sign up for that uh, and to join us for that. The other thing is that at River Life, we are starting up a deliverance ministry. And if you need prayer and deliverance or even wanna talk about it, you can come and talk to me about it. Joining me in prayer before we bring us, I bring you back to do the triad reflection time.
Jesus, we know that you are victorious, that your death on the cross and your resurrection from the grave has won victory for us over death and over Satan. And yet while we are here on earth, we live with many areas that we still give over to demonic influence. And so Lord, we just pray that you would shed light into these areas so that we would be aware, we would know, and we would give ground back to you. We would claim victory in your powerful name and we would drive out these spirits from within us. Jesus, I pray for anyone who is hearing this and who feels afraid, afraid of what demonization could mean or afraid that um, everything we're saying is beyond what they can understand or what they can believe. Jesus, you are gentle with us. So I pray that your grace and mercy be with us that the Holy Spirit be the one to instruct us, to teach us, and to lead us into all truth. I pray all of this over your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now's the time for you to get into uh, groups of three as we have been doing in this uh, series in Soul Care. If this is your first time, what we'd like you to do is to get to just turn around with somebody who's next to you. Uh, we want you to be in groups of three, maybe four at the most, and to share and reflect uh, these group questions. So re reflect on this question. Reflect on your own worldview as it relates to demonic strongholds. Does it align with the biblical worldview? So kind of talk about what your worldview is and maybe what you're learning and thinking about today. Secondly, reflect on what next step will you take to learn more about deliverance or maybe more about how to be delivered or the next steps on how to be equipped to do deliverance. All right, go ahead and get into your triad reflection groups. <laughs> 